How many of us believe that we're enough? Anybody in here believe you're enough? Or are you still living in the past? Right? Like your last sin is as good as you are? Or do you believe you're good enough? Do you believe that you're enough? Because these are the things that we have to get to. Like, it's, it's no, no kidding, no joking. We have to get to that point where we understand that we're good enough, that we are enough for God's blessings. There's no mountain he won't climb up, no door he won't kick down, no shadow he won't light up. So what does it what does that mean? What does that look like? What's 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 that look like in your own heart? What's that look like in your own mind? You see, because the things that you believe are going to drive your feet. Right? And is that is that what we're looking at? Is that what we're looking for is to have our old belief system drive us today? How many of you tried to make changes towards a better tomorrow with the same mindset that you had back here. And then how well does that work? Like you get four steps in and you're like, holy crap, I can't do this. Right? Or am I the only one? Right? And, and that's really, it's the heart of torn. Because I believe it's the heart of the gospel. For God so loved the world. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? What, what does it mean? Does it mean anything? Because as you're having your battles each and every day to just try and make one ding step, it's going to be worth a dang, right? Like all I want to do is just make one step. Like, Lord, can I have today? Can I have the next hour? Can I have the next... 15 minutes. And I know a lot of people who prayed every minute for God to deliver them from their demons. God, let me have one more minute. God, can I have this minute? Can you clear my head this minute? What would your head need clearing from? Lies, fear, faulty belief systems, right? And so... God has already paid the price. So as we start talking about giving, right, and how important that is that we learn to love one another, we learn to care for one another, we learn to sow into the kingdom of God, we learn to do all these things, we, we oftentimes will base our giving on what has God done for me lately. So we're not trying to quote Janice Jackson here, Janet Jackson, right? But that's how we live. What have you done for me lately? Right? And you're like, God, you ain't done nothing, man. My struggle is my struggle, and I'm hurting here. And I'm sucking at this, and I'm sucking at that, and the enemy's coming at me this direction and that direction. Where are you? So we virtually have a battle of two minds. Right? Many of us live our lives double-minded. We, we want to love Jesus with everything that we are and everything that we have, but yet we're over here, and this is, this is the subconscious, and this is the conscience. So I can say that I love Jesus with all my heart, like, Jesus, I love you! And then over here, it's like, man, I can't wait to get my next. 
I just know that it's coming. And we prepare mentally or emotionally more for the trouble and the sin that's coming versus coming over here in the conscious mind and, and living in the blessing that I already have. If I live over here in the subconscious where the lies like to kick it, I'm always going to be in that dark spot. But if I believe the song that was just sang, there's no shadow that he won't light up, no mountain that he won't climb up, no door that he won't kick down. What are we believing? Because our belief system is going to drive everything that we do. Anybody have a rough childhood? Well, that rough childhood can, can wreak havoc on your life today as an adult, and then you get the tough guy that says, man, I can't let that, you know, I can't let that trip me up today. That's a punk's way out, is to talk all this stuff about what it was like back then. Like, I'm over that, I'm past that. But it's the belief system that gets into your head, that subconscious thing here, that won't allow you to live in here. It won't allow you to live in the glory and the goodness and the things that God has for you, because subconsciously, you're over here where you don't feel like you're good enough. And that came from somewhere. Maybe you were a fat kid. Maybe you were an ugly kid. I had a big head. Like, I didn't grow into my head until I was, I don't know. I, I don't know when it was. It's just all of a sudden, one day, my body was big enough, and my brothers and sisters stopped picking on me. They would call me Big Head Fred and just ridicule me. And then my dad, my stepdad's beat me and doing all these things. And I know that I had a, comparatively to some folks, I had a good childhood. Right? When I hear Kim's testimony, it makes me feel blessed. But yet there's people that lived a life that was even worse than Kim's. Right? So we all have our things and who's to gauge what's, what's a big enough deterrent or what's a big enough distraction or what's a big enough pain back here to change our belief system for here. So if I don't believe I'm good enough for here and I'm stuck over here, then how am I going to pour into this? How am I going to pour into what's coming and what God has for me? I'm going to keep battling the demons that are over here. Every time I take a step, I just get throttled in the back of the head. Well, the fight in me wants to turn around and kick some butt. But if God's telling me that I can cast all my cares and worries onto him and trust him, then what am I doing? So if I'm, if I'm raising a hallelujah, if I'm raising a constant praise to God, can I praise God and still piss and moan about the enemy? Can I keep complaining about the enemy attacking me while I'm praising God over here? Right? Do you guys remember the thing about the finger in the middle of your mouth? If you take your finger and you put it in the middle of your mouth, you praise God out of the left side of your mouth, and you yell at Satan out of the right. Ready? You can't do it. So therefore, we have to recognize that there's a choice coming. There's a choice that we get to make, whether we're going to dance with the devil or we're going to dance with the Lord. It's a choice. And though I can say it easily, I'm no, I'm no stranger to the struggle that it actually is, how hard it can be. 
with a faulty belief system. So I got to get to this place where I understand that God is enough, that I am good enough, because I'm not going to make it very far if I don't get there. I'm going to be stuck. And how many of you guys want a better tomorrow than you had today? And I even had a good day today. But my hope and prayer is that tomorrow's even better. I'm thankful for today. But man, I got hopes and I got dreams. My wife asked me last night, what do you want to do before you die? I want to go to Israel. I want to spend a trip. I want, I want to take a couple of weeks and have a trip solely for me to enjoy with the Lord. And I'm not saying my wife can't come because I want her to come. But I want to, you know what I mean? I, I can't remember taking a vacation to be on vacation where I didn't have work to do, where I didn't have whatever to do. I mean, I know we're on our honeymoon, but my wife worked a little bit. But um, like, when, when is it going to be time enough to understand that God has good and perfect things for me? that I'm worthy of these things. You know, sometimes, sometimes we can serve other people in an effort to try and make up for false beliefs. So it's, it's covering a turd with whatever, but the problem is still there. It's like Western medicine. In, West, in Western culture, we treat symptoms and not what actually causes the problem, right? So we're loaded up on antibiotics, we're loaded up on all kinds of stuff, and, and it just doesn't do us any good. It never, doesn't very often get to the actual problem, the root of the problem, and we need to do that. So let me pray and then we'll get to the message. So Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you, that you, are exactly who you say you are. You have done exactly what you said you would do, exactly what your word tells us you did. You did it. And so, Father God, I pray that you would give us a mindset where we can clear up one of our minds and we don't have to live a double-minded life, but we can live in the blessing that you died on the cross for. So, Father, would you shower each and every one of us with your blessing. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name. So last week we ended on this, and remember we're talking about tithing. We're going to talk about tithing for three or four weeks, and what does tithing mean? What does it mean? And why, are, why does the church talk about tithing? Because everybody's like, well, it's just about the money, right? Remember we talked about that? How it's just, you know, all, he want, all the pastor ever wants is money. Now, how many of you guys might have once in your life believe that story but maybe don't believe it now? You ever believe that? Like I was told by my first church, don't preach about tithing. And there's a reason for that because it's a hard subject to talk about. Why is it a hard subject to talk about? Because ultimately we're double-minded. We put our money and our stuff at a higher value than God. Right? God can get us somewhere in eternity but what's he going to get me now? Like, I got I to gotta live now. That's great, God, that, that, you know, I'm saved and all, right? But I, I need my stuff. 
I need my stuff, whatever your stuff is, I need that. And, and I know that you don't need my money, so what's the point? Like, why would I bother giving you my money? Why would I give you my time? Why would I give you my, my talent? Right, like you got all this in spades. Like, you're fine if I don't give. Church will be fine if I don't give. So do you see where the spirituality comes into giving? What are we putting first and foremost? What are we putting in as our belief system? What are we actually living on? Are we living on the flesh? Or are we living on the word of God? And it's really a choice. We stand here in the middle each and every time. We stand right in the middle and we have a choice to make. Well, I can go do something or I can go and help out at the church because I need help. Well, there's a statistic that says 90% of the people in churches are doing nothing. Well, 10% of the church is serving the 90%. But yet if I confront you and I, and, I, and I talk to you about life and I say, are you a giver or a taker? You'd say, well, I'm a giver. Okay. How do you give? Well, uh, 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 oh, because, you know, we've been trying to get you to help us out. And then, and then you're, you're not. Like, what, what, what message do you want me to get from what you're doing? You say one thing and you do another. Anybody get caught doing that? You say one thing and do another? That's like, whoops. So it's really a point of, of our spirituality becoming or coming into maturity where we recognize that sometimes we give. Sometimes we receive. If you're just a taker, the question is, does the Lord dwell in your heart? And it's really a simple question. You know it. You know the answer. It's not for me to decide. Did you know that? That I don't get to decide whether you are saved or not? Who knew that? Okay, two people. Excellent. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. But I'm the one, one of the ones that get to watch as you walk and watch as you go and watch as you hopefully grow and the things that you struggle with and stumble with. You see, God created a heart in me that loves people no matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing. That's why Torn is trying to do something differently and actually genuinely love people who are hurting and not just talk about it, but actually do it. Because it makes a difference. But if the ministry of Torn that comes from God is going to succeed, we need bodies, we need treasure, we need time, we need talent. All right, so how many of you guys can put food in a box? You can take it off a table and put it in a box. Who's got the skill to do that? Right? So that's one of the things that we do here every Thursday. We, we fill up boxes of food and then families either come and get it or we deliver it. And there's a reason why we're going through all these things because if this ministry is going to succeed, it's going to succeed first on God and his word, second on the obedience of those who call him savior. Because I can't do it all. 
I can't do everything. And so last week, if you remember, we read Matthew 5, 17 through 19. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until it all is accomplished. And then we went into, therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So is giving, does giving constitute salvation? So if you give 10% of your check, 10% of your time, treasure, and talents, are you saved? No. Likewise, if you don't, are you necessarily saved? Huh? You're right. Say it out loud. No, absolutely. Right? Like, what's the one thing that it takes to be saved? And a trust and faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Right? And that's where faith is, what faith is about. But to take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is salvational. It's the only way to heaven. It's the only way to the Father through the Son. But he's telling us, he's telling us something about, about this. And there's, I won't say there's, I will say there's hidden treasures in the Word of God. There are hidden treasures, there are things that you will find in the Word of God that will absolutely blow your heart and mind. It will absolutely and completely blow your mind to see how much God loves us. So if we think about, here's a question that we talked about at work this week. Where do you stand in the Bible? Are you living part of the Bible now? Would you say that you're in the Bible? Huh? Yeah, you are. Because what was the last thing that happened, that, the, like the really big marker? Right? Like the Old Testament was about Jesus coming and the law, right? To fulfill the law. So that was that. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament came to an end when Jesus came. Right? There was a time between, but all the prophets prophesied, all the prof prophecies were fulfilled with Jesus. Jesus then went and prophesied again and said, yo, I'm coming back. So we are between the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. We are actually living in the Bible times. So the next time Jesus comes will be the fulfillment of the New Testament. That's pretty dang cool. And God has ordained and anointed these things. And what does that mean for us? That means that the things that Jesus promised us must come true. Just as in the Old Testament, the prophecies had to come true. They had to be fulfilled by Jesus. Otherwise, it would have been a load of malarkey. Right? And so he had to fulfill those. Likewise, his second coming has to be. And the blessings that he's talking about throughout the New Testament must come to pass in each and every one of us. Why would it stop if Jesus hasn't come back yet? 
1 Corinthians 13.10 talks about tongues and prophecies. Now we speak in part, but then we will speak whole. We won't need prophecies and we won't need tongues because we'll be with the perfect. Jesus is perfect. So this whole time we still need all these gifts. We still need all these things. We're living in a time of rich blessing, but we don't walk out these rich blessings. We don't seem to comprehend that the blessings that Jesus talked about are gifts for us now. Because we are in the Bible. We're in the biblical times now. We are waiting for Jesus' prophecy of his return to be fulfilled when we're gathered up. And then that gets into the whole millennial reign and all these other things that we're not going to talk about. So if you don't tithe, will God pull your salvation card? What? No, no he won't. So there's some things that we need to that we need to recognize. Yeah, you had a 50-50 shot. It was good. I thought it was I thought it was great, man. That's a ching ching. Good good one, good to go. So this is uh this is something that we need to recognize because if we're in the Bible times and we're talking about giving, we're talking about these things, and there's some some pieces that you and I need to gather and we need to understand historically, biblically in order to make sense in our hearts and our minds, amen? Or are you guys just wanting to follow me blindly and whatever I say goes? Right? Who likes that, right? Like, hey, Pastor Fred said it, man, it's got to be right. I'm warning you, do not, do not put me there. My name's Fred, and I'm a flawed individual. I'm called by God to preach his gospel message to love his kids but I fall short of the glory of God and I need his love. So if you see me talk about scripture, you see me talk about these things, I double dog dare you to open up your Bible and read it and see if I'm wrong. Not to just prove me wrong, but I want you to get into it to form that relationship, right? Like how many of you guys have been in a relationship where somebody said they love you and you're like, yeah, right whatever, right? Because the actions just don't match, but you want so desperately to be loved that you'll, you'll take this half-hearted, double-minded talk until whatever. And then you're left sitting there going, what in the Sam Giddyup just happened? Six months, a year, three years, five years later, right? So it's important for us to actually know, and, and there, it's important for us to understand that all this giving, all this blessing, all these things tie into our relationship with God, right? Like, it, it, it's a big deal. So we know that God blessed us abundantly, but here's the neat thing for us to understand about the law. Every Jew was required by the Levitical law, so the tribe of Levi, they were required by law to pay three tithes of their property, three tithes. So they paid one-tenth for the, for the Levites, so they paid one-tenth of everything they had, and it went to the priests, the priests of Levi. The second tenth was for use of the temple and the great feasts. So they'd have these kicking parties, these kicking feasts, 
and just a massive soiree, and, and it was a beautiful thing for God and all this wonderful stuff, but it cost money. So the people gave 10% there. And then the third was one for the poor of the land. So they actually gave to people who were in need. So how many percents is that? If I give 10% and 10% and 10%, that's how much? 30%. 30%. This was the Levitical law. All right, so Romans 12.1. And I want, you, I want you to get this because, again, tithing is one of the things that we don't like to talk about in the church. But I want you to grasp something so cool, and it really is absolutely cool to think about, to think about and to understand that there might be a different way to look at things than the way that we do. Okay, so Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Has Jesus died on the cross for us? Did God send him? Are we in the biblical story? So if those three are true, then we need to recognize what it says here in that in the one, two, three, fourth, in the fourth segment there. And it says, in view of God's mercy, has God shown us mercy by sending his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us? Would that be like the greatest kind of mercy, like you're forgiven of sins? Who struggles forgiving yourself? Right? Like you do something stupid and you just hammer the living tar out of yourself forever. I know the black cloud syndrome where you never feel like you should get out of here and this becomes this familiar hell. And so you just stay in here and you try and you try and you try and you try and you fight and all of a sudden you get your way out here and you're, you're out of the shadows but you're in the light and now you don't know how to live in the light and so now you self-sabotage to get back underneath where you're comfortable. It might suck, it might be hell, it might lead you to death, but that's where you want to stay. There's a thing called recidivization. Why do people seem to want to keep going back to prison? You see people two, three, four, five times and they're just going back and back and back and back. What's one of the reasons? What's that? They can be addicted to the conflict of life, right? They like the uncertainty. Food, shelter, that's another one. I think they like the certainty of what is in the prison. They know what to expect. Right, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that, that that even though it's chaos and it sucks, it's still predictable. I know at 5 in the morning they're going to wake me up, I'm going to go have breakfast. I get to come back, I get to take a nap, and then we'll get our day started at 9 o'clock or whenever I got a class or whenever I can get out in the commons or whatever. Like I know what to do with that. So if all of a sudden I'm living outside of the confines of prison, even my own self-initiated prisons, my drug use, my alcohol, my sex, my all these things that I do, that's controlled chaos and it hurts like hell, but I believe that this is what I'm worth and so I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get back to where I'm comfortable. 
See, I'm going back to that false belief system that tells me that I'm not good enough, that I'm not worthy, and so I'm gonna hide out under here in this hell. And when I get out in the light, I'm gonna scream, help, I need somebody. And then I'm gonna sabotage. And then I'm gonna feel guilt, I'm gonna feel shame, and I'm gonna hang out underneath here until that goes away again, and I'm gonna come back out in the light. And so we need to recognize that we have already received God's mercy, that we have already received his forgiveness, we've already received his love, and now as a result of that, how am I going to live my life instead of what have you done for me lately? Do you see the difference between the two? One is actually understanding and believing that God has already done a miracle in my life and giving thanks, and all I do is give thanks to him, the other is saying that, man, you just haven't, you just haven't cut it for me. Right. And that becomes what we're used to. And it stinks. It absolutely stinks. It's no good for any of us. If you've ever been there, then you know what I'm talking about. So this is the fruit of a countercultural experience with God through his son, Jesus Christ, because he first gave, we give. Not to receive, because we already did. Does that make sense? And it's so counter to the culture that it's hard to grasp the concept and the reality of what it actually is. Second Chronicles 31, five and six says, as soon as the order went out, the Israelites, now check this out. So second Chronicles of the Old Testament, as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God and they piled them in heaps. Does that sound like they were giving reluctantly? They were giving 30%. Does that sound like they were giving reluctantly? Yes, or generously? Yeah, I would go with generously, understanding that they just, they, it was a worship, it was a form of worship to God, and so their understanding and their relationship with God made it differently. Remember, we talk about this countercultural thing. So when our worship to God is such as theirs was, and they knew who God was, and they worshiped God, and this was a form of worship to God. So they would give generously. And so the paying this, I'm sorry, I didn't really replace the Romans 12 one. That's not it. The paying of the tithes was an important part of the Jewish religious worship. In the days of Hezekiah, one of the first results of the Reformation of religion was the eagerness with which the people brought in their tithes. So that's their historical view of what they did. 
eagerly gave. We are more reluctant to give than eager to give. So again, we're stuck between the conscious and the subconscious, the healthy thought process and the old thought process. The old belief system versus the new. The old wineskin versus the new wineskin. And it's up to us to figure out which way we're going to go. The blessing has already been given. And because you took Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and tithing is not salvational, now you're left with a choice, just as the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, are you going to follow God or are you not? So when God speaks a word and he tells you, do not do this, or you will receive this. And they would do that, and they would receive that. Right? So if I tell you that if you kick me in the shin, I'm going to stomp on your foot. You kick me in the shin and I stomp on your foot, who's at fault for me stomping on your foot? Me for stomping on your foot? How so? Right, but you also chose to kick me in the shin. So if I go to the store, right, but if I go to the store and I put items on the counter and they say $5.38, I have walked into the store to, to purchase something and I'm doing a what, a contract of sorts, and then I pay them the money. I don't get to just set it on the counter, they say 538 and I get to walk out. Right, so in the Old Testament, God is, God is giving people, like, hey, don't do this. Don't do this. And they would do that, and we read story after story after story about how they would get wiped out. So you're right, in some nature now we're living in the New Testament and I shouldn't buy, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. But at some point in time, there's, there's consequence for our actions, yes? Right, like, uh, so the law's been written and it's up to me to follow the law, but if I don't follow the law, are the cops, are the cops wrong for busting me? Right, like, I did it. I did that. You told me don't, and I did it anyways. So here we are, we're living outside of this, this, we're living inside of the blessing of God. It's already come, so what is our response to it? Are we going to be generous and eager givers, or are we going to continue to hold our time, our treasure, and our talents to ourselves? Because we've all heard the saying that it's better to give than to receive. Yeah? So, what's that? Right. But yet, we can look at the church, and again, the statistics pretty accurate, that 90% of the church doesn't do anything for the church. 90% doesn't do anything. And... We hear the story of the widow and her two mites and how that blessed God abundantly because she gave all she had when all these other guys gave out of just, you know, 
there was a bigger offering, but it came from a point of just a mass amount of money or greater money than the little old lady had. So it's our choice, right? And God's giving us that choice and he's saying whether you give or whether you don't, the only implication or the only thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna either be thought of greater in the kingdom or lesser in the kingdom. You're still gonna be saved. So how are we gonna do this? And it's up to you and I, like I don't get to tell you what to do. That's not what I'm saying. My duty and obligation is to God the Father to present the gospel to you. What you do with that, that's on you, not me. If I don't give you the word as I know the word and God is giving revelation to the word, then I'm at fault for what I'm doing. And that's why I always encourage you to read the Bible. Like if you think I'm full of malarkey, I love it. Always question what you hear. It says to test the spirit, to test what you're hearing. Test it. I want you to, I want you to desperately. Okay, so Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. I struggled for a while with tithing in my life, and there's a lot to be said for just the just the strict joy that comes out of being obedient to something God wants you to do without question, without uh, you know just the joy that comes from knowing that you did something God really wants you to do, mm -hmm. and it isn't the money; it's just the joy of of doing what He wants you right. to do. Right. It, it feels good to bless somebody. It feels good to love somebody. It feels good to care about somebody. It feels good. And so we've already received blessing of eternal life. But if the word's telling us that there's even more, right? And so this is kind of the interesting piece to me because it's not about giving just as it's not about just saying words. So if I just give and I don't believe Jesus Christ and I want the blessing, am I still able to receive the blessing if Jesus is not my savior? I mean, there's good people doing good stuff all over the world that don't believe in Jesus Christ as their savior. They're missing out on two blessings, but they're also receiving a blessing because God has implanted in our hearts that joy of giving. And some folks genuinely just give to be kind and wonderful and loving people. Some people want everything. You know, they, they do it only to receive, only to be heard. If you're on Facebook and you look at the reels, you see people all over the place doing amazing stuff and they're like, smile for the camera, look what I did. Hmm. I question motives. I'm okay to question it, but God knows. If I'm questioning and I'm telling, if I'm, if I'm casting judgment on them and saying that they're not really saved, I'm wrong. But I can question stuff. I can ask God to show me, and it's up to God to judge. He's the only judge. He knows whether you're giving to be a blessing to the kingdom of God or whether you're 
you're doing it for recognition, like, hey, y'all, look what I did. God knows the difference, and that's the only one you got to answer to. So my challenge in all of, all of this, I guess it'd be a couple things. One, are you willing to live in the blessing? Are you willing to live in the blessing, or do you want to still hibernate back here in, in hell? The choice is yours. The door's been opened, the price has been paid, the veil's been torn, the blood's been spilled, the death, burial, and resurrection has already happened, and we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. Will you be joined up in heaven with God, or will you be stuck back here believing the lies that have held you down for so long? And as a believer now, are you willing to do something for somebody more than just yourself? We talked about the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, we, we got some choices here, y'all. We got some choices. I think the greatest gift that we can give anybody is the gift that a son in this church gave his mother in this church. And that's the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as her savior. And so when Jerry spoke to his mom about having to come to church and pushing and pushing and pushing until the stubborn mule finally <laughs> said, fine, sure. Oh, you know you were stubborn. Don't, don't look all surprised like, oh, this is the first time anybody's ever told you you're stubborn. What's that? Oh, that's right, because we were all forgetting your story when you gave your testimony. You said, no, 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 no. Because you told us the story already. So if I just reiterate what you told me, then it's not on me. It's you. So the gig's up, and you gave it up. So, well, they will. So we're all in that boat. We all are stubborn mules in some way, shape, or form. But will we be the son who encourages friends and families to come, to understand, to hear the word of God? Will we, will be, will we be the ones to encourage our loved ones or strangers to come to know Jesus Christ? We got choices, man. We got choices, and this life is crazy awesome. We got crazy awesome opportunities. And man, my heart, my heart just, my heart breaks for what Jesus did first, but then our response back. Because it's 90% versus 10%. And my heart breaks not because you're not doing it. My heart breaks because you're not receiving the blessings that come from walking in obedience to the Father. Like, you're ripping yourself off. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Why would any of us do that? Time, treasure, talents. We all have something to give. There's not one person in this room that I haven't spoke to there's not one person in this room that I don't value, that I don't appreciate your heart, 
that I don't appreciate and see something absolutely incredible in you. You all have something to give. Y'all have something. My hope and my prayer is that you give first your heart to Jesus Christ and second you start sowing seeds into the kingdom of God. However that looks, however God is calling you to do it. But it's between you and God, period. It's not about me. You're not going to get an extra cookie at dinner because you gave five bucks. So don't bother telling me. Peanut gallery. <laughs> so let me close. Does anybody have any questions about tonight's message? Uh huh. When I got first saved, and some of the congregation says, "You guys want blessing from God? A lot of blessing from God?" Somebody said, "Yeah." Read the Word of God. Yep. If you open up the Word of God, the blessing starts. All right. So, what's your question? And so, um, <laughs> my question there is, um, all of us. I know that most of us anyway mm -hmm. are getting to the Word of God. Yep. And that's how we get. To Yep. The only way we get to learn is having communication with him. Yep. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Ah, no question? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Robert. It's the truth. I mean, the word of God. Like, when you're not picking this thing up and you're not reading it, you're ripping yourself off. I mean, you want to steal from yourself, then leave this thing right here. Like, why bother, right? There's blessing upon blessing upon blessing in there. That pastor was absolutely 100% correct. I find nuggets in there that overjoy my heart a lot. Anybody else have a question? Yeah. Does it matter if I tithe before or after taxes? Does it matter if you tithe before or tax or after tax? Great question. And here's my answer to that. In the word, Jesus himself says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and God of what is God's. My opinion, and it's argumentative maybe, or you can argue it easily, is I look at the word of God and I believe that everything is in its place for a reason. There's a reason why this story is before this story there's a reason why this parable comes before that parable. And when you stack up in the parables, you look at them, they all build on one another. So I don't believe that the word of God is accidental. So I don't believe that the order of that is accidental. And so I, I say, um, pay your taxes and then give God 10%. And I've had pastors argue with me like, nope, nope, nope. My personal way that I tithe is I have 10% of my check taken right off the top. And that can be tax deductible, right? So I just have them take it off. But if you're, if you're doing it, whatever, if you're doing it after taxes, to me, I mean, I, that's what I hear. That's what I read. I read it as Caesar and God. 
So ultimately, we're going to go, we're going to divert right back to the word obedience, and you ask God what and when he wants you to give. All right, so if God says, if God lays a conviction on your heart to give before taxes, do that. If God puts a conviction on your heart that says after, do that. Right, like my biggest part is just that you'd give, whether it be time, treasure, or talents, or one of all three. So what does it look like? And there's, a, there's some verses in the scriptures in Leviticus that talk about that if you're not giving of your first fruits, but yet you're giving of the fruit of that fruit. So if you're giving dollars worth of, so back then they did cattle and, and the animals, and then they did grains and stuff like that. If you wanted to pay the money instead of giving the animal, then you had to give an extra 5% of that. Nice, huh? So, all right, let me, anybody else? Does that answer that question? Anybody else? All right, then I'll close up. So Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this night. We thank you. We thank you for this amazing day that you've given us, Father. We thank you that you love us that you care about us, that you, Father God, go before us and make a way. And Father, I just ask for your protection over everybody here. And Lord, I lift up the two gentlemen that uh, left a little early, um, that you would be with them and keep them safe. Rather, we have, Father, we have another brother who's uh, arguably in a lot of trouble. And the only way he's gonna get out of trouble is you. The only way that he's gonna come to his senses and uh, repent of what he's done is if you touch his heart in a real way. So we lift him up to you, Father God. We lift up this church and everybody here, Lord God, and I pray strength, I pray energy, I pray blessing upon them. Father, let your spirit fall in this place. Let your spirit fall in each person. Bless and anoint them anew today. Lord, we love you and we thank you in the amazing and beautiful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Touch it, Lord.